take a moment, look to the room, whether it's virtual or live, and just say, I'm not sure if this is a good idea, but it could be the idea that leads to the idea. And the moment you say, I'm not sure if this is a good idea, it just removes all the potential judgment. You nip it in the bud. I'm not sure if this is a good idea. They're like, oh, okay. But it could be the idea that leads to the idea. And in saying that, you plant in people's imagination that they should start looking for how their brains might be inspired by something you said. And that lets you risk forward. And you do that for yourself. What is this idea? I don't know why I'm called to this item, but it could be the thing that leads to the thing. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. I will live every day as if there were a microphone tucked under my tongue. It's great to get in the game, but don't get in the game until you understand the rules till you're an insider. Your life changes when you begin having a different conversation in your head. What we need to do in radically deep problems is propose radically visionary solutions. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Greetings, everyone. My name is Julie Masters, and you are listening to another episode of Inside Influence, in which I delve into the minds of some of the world's most fascinating influencers or experts in influence to get to the bottom of what it really takes to own your voice and then amplify it to drive an industry, a conversation, a movement or a nation. Now, here's today's question. How much do you trust your inner current? You know, that inner nudge that comes when you come into contact with ideas, people or directions that just suddenly ignite you, pull at you. That voice that says, you know, you might not know what this is, but it needs to be explored. Now, here's my next question. What about your ideas? How much do you trust your own ideas? And I'm not talking about the great, earth-shatteringly brilliant ones, the ones that arrive like an avalanche and, and everybody applauds. I'm talking about the quiet ones. The ones that aren't quite right yet. The ones that feel like almost like a collapsed cobweb, you know, when you try and pull it out of your brain and explain it to somebody else. In the words of my guest today, the ideas that lead to the idea. Now, if you answered yes to both those questions, you live a life of risking forward. And my guest today, she knows that road all too well. Victoria Labam is a Hall of Fame speaker, Wall Street Journal bestselling author and performance strategist for top leaders and brands. As the trusted consultant to help those top leaders and brands, she shows individuals at all levels how to uncover their genius and express themselves in memorable ways, aligning usually their larger mission and winning over the people that they serve. She is also the author of the Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Risk Forward, and the founder of the Rock the Room program that helps people knock their communications out of the park, both on camera and in person. Now, in today's conversation, we explore why the most influential moments of our life rarely come with a fanfare. In fact, sometimes you just need to step away from the fanfare to hear them at all. Why shifting your focus from recognition to contribution is the most powerful decision you can make when it comes to maintaining momentum. The concept of the through line, now you're going to hear that line a lot or that word a lot in our conversation. And then once you have, you're going to see it everywhere you go. Now I won't go deep into what a through line is here, but essentially it's, it's the driving storyline of your life. It's a question, a factor, or a focus that all your decisions, when you look back, seem to have in common. Why hyperactivity is a form of self-hypnosis. I'm going to write this on a post-it note. I am going to put it on my desk. And that the largest risk, the thing that we are the most afraid of, isn't action, but usually taking a step back from the action to really look at where we're going. And finally, how to start trusting your own ideas or at least the ideas that are going to lead to the idea. Just long enough for the next one to arrive. Now, what I love about Victoria and the whole idea of risking forward is that it's not about taking massive action, or at least not just about taking massive action. In fact, it often begins with the opposite. It begins with putting down the pen long enough to sink into those moments of not knowing, especially right now, especially with the, the last kind of two, two and a half years that we have had. Sitting still long enough to let those previous chapters fade so that you have the chance of writing something new. Trusting your inner current, even when you have absolutely no idea where it's going to take you. 
As I record this, I'm, I'm actually about to take a week away to do exactly that. Now, me taking a week away, let me tell you, it's not convenient for my business or for my family. It's not meeting the go hard out of the gates expectations that I usually place on myself um, as part of the new year. And it's also, to be honest, it's not what I expected to need in this moment. But there it is, the tug, the, the call to sit again in the not knowing for long enough to give my inner current a voice. And that feels like a risk. And this isn't my first time doing this. It's my first time taking, taking some time away to revisit that quiet. It always feels like a risk. You know, what if, I, what if I realize that something I'm heavily invested in isn't right anymore? What if I end up throwing out ideas that I've nurtured and loved? Or worst case scenario, what if I sit there for a week staring at a tree and nothing comes at all? But here's the alternative. Keep moving. Keep being distracted by the fanfare. Keep ignoring the pull. Keep hustling until in the end, you fall out of love with your own creations. You know, that's the real risk. And for me, it's not one worth taking. Now, for those of you who are looking to take your journey in influence to the next level this year, don't forget, hop on my website or the show notes and download the brand new version of my ebook, The Influencer Code. Now, it's not long. It's not complex. It is 20 years of experience distilled down into seven core questions that I have found hands down to be the most powerful when it comes to rapidly increasing your influence. Just pop in your email address and it will be with you in the time it takes to make a cup of tea. My newsletter, Influence Insider, also gives one bite-sized tools, strategy, or mindset shift per week, all on the topic of building a more influential life. Once again, hop onto my website, juliemasters.com, to become an insider. Also, for those of you who want to dive more into Victoria's world, and believe me, you will, she has been out of the park generous in putting together a gift for every single Inside Influence listener. Check out the link in the show notes to receive the first four chapters. So there's a link in the show notes. When you click on it, you will go straight to a page that will give you the first four chapters of the book, a three-part video series on listening skills, plus an audio series on how exactly to rock the room. Um, I think that package is usually around $100 and it is yours as a listener of this podcast for free. Also, if you are a long-time listener to this podcast or a new listener, I would love, and this is a personal request from me, I would love you to leave a review on any of your favorite listening platforms. I don't usually ask. I don't think I've ever asked before, but it does make a huge difference to our rankings and therefore the amount of people that we're able to reach. Plus, I get to hear your voice and what you're loving. Double bonus. So for now, sit back, cycle out. Is that a thing in the cycling world? Either way, I'll go with it. Drive safely and enjoy the fierce wisdom of the incredible Victoria LeBum. Welcome to the podcast, Victoria LeBum. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Um, I want to kick off with the question that I usually kick this podcast off with, and that is the question of, is there one idea that's been having the most influence on you right now? And it can be in relation to your field of expertise or any others. It's just that people who are on the edges and on the fringes of great ideas usually find them before, before the rest of us. So what's really influencing your thinking right now? Well, it's something that's just been very present for me over the last few days. So this is a new one, but it has been transformational to my mindset. And it happened just in the last three days. So this is the first time I've talked about it publicly, which is that um, in the personal and professional development world, there's a lot of psychology around uh, what you can be, right? You could be this, you could be that. And there's a sense of anxiety and pressure. This is part of what risk board is about. But if you shift that mindset to like exactly what I believe in, I'm sure you believe in too, Julie, which is like be present. What interests you now? What lights you up? When you truly are there, it's transformational. 
I was going to actually talk to you about a little bit about that later, but I'll bring it in now just because it's so fitting with what you just said, which is the idea of a current, that there is a current that runs through, runs through you. I know you have particular language for it. And that is the thing that I'm assuming, you tell me if I'm wrong, that you need to stay present too, just to give some context around staying present. Yes, 100%. We'll talk about this, I'm sure, throughout the time of our conversation. It is the core of everything I believe. And I just thought of it in a new way. You know, it's, a, it's for each of us, when you're discovering what you most understand and believe and want to be doing with your life, it's like a gem. And you keep getting different perspectives on that gem. And you're, it's always the same gem, but you're seeing it more clearly. And so that's what this was today. It was just this sense of I have a new view on this inner current, which is a little preview of what's to come. It is this electric force that runs through your soul, through your arm, through your vision, through your blood, and it's the path for you. So let's start with, we're going to get there, but let's start with Risking Forward, which is the name of the book. Where did the term come from? Where does the term Risking Forward come from? It is a term I coined having studied with this legendary mime, that's M-I-M-E, some people think, but mime, no, mime, M-I-M-E. His name was Marcel Marceau, and he had this way of talking and moving. He would say, risque forward, but he called it risque avant. And it was this type of movement where your body was pressed forward, you were almost off balance, and he called it risque avant, which I thought of as a philosophy for life. Like how, how can we be a little off balance and a little scared, but heart open and keep going? And that's risking forward. It's not even being sure where you're heading, but being a little scared and a little off balance. And it goes against the whole idea of you gotta go for the goal. You don't even know what the goal is. You know what I love when I read that, you know, what I loved about it most. I love that you took it from the world of mime, because in my experience, those moments are usually silent. They, they, don't, they don't come with a fanfare. They don't come with this giant da-da. They're usually the quiet moments, the moments when you decide I'm going to, to use other language, I'm going to lean into this. I'm going to just take just an extra inch here where I feel like I'm not really sure, but I'm going to move an extra inch forwards. How, in your experience, are those are those moments more likely to happen when you take space around yourself, or are they more likely to happen when you're in motion? Ooh, that is such a good question. No one's ever asked me that before. Uh, I would say both, and I say both for this reason. Um, there are, like you know, a philosopher great poet would tell you it's in the silence that we can hear our voice, right? And we hear that concept a lot, but it truly is. And we're in a world, to quote back to Marcel Marceau, who used to say, you know, we are afraid of silence. He used to go, we are afraid of silence. And he used to say, what is the sound of no sound? You know, this sort of esoteric question that he would ask us in mime class, right? But it was all about that, like mime is silent. And in that space of silence for ourselves personally, we hear new things. That's the first thing, but we have it so rarely, especially in today's world with electronics and that instant you know, plug-in. But I also think it happens in movement. And I say that because I'm a dancer, I'm a mover. Anyone who, who, who finds when they're in the shower or driving or walking that they have great ideas and can hear their own soul, that's through movement. So I'd say both. The other thing about silence and mime in particular is that mime forces you to pay exquisite attention. As soon as you shut down one of your senses, the other sense kind of kicks in tenfold, which is the power of silence. It forces you to to pay exquisite attention to what's going on, to that current that you were talking about. Oh, that's so smart. I have not thought of it that way, but it's true. And sound is... Sound is a, a sense that we often don't remove, mm. right? Mm. So you're right. It, it makes everything else more attention, more alert and attentive. Very smart. You, you started out in the performing arts, and you were you know you were very successful. You've got, you were picked up by the same manager that managed Robin Robin Williams, Billy Crystal. You performed your own one woman show, and then there was a day that changed everything. 
And I wanted to bring that in here because it feels like one of the most pivotal moments of your life and what led to, you know, where you are now in the book. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, sure. So uh, I was a performing artist, as you mentioned. I, I went through mime and dance and acting and television and film. And um, I, I, things were going really well, you know, and I, I was starting to get roles on commercials and on Sex in the City. And I had been picked up, as you said, by this manager. And then um, uh, I watched from my downtown lower Manhattan apartment, the World Trade Center explosion for 9-11, through 9-11. And to watch something that you always felt was so solid and guaranteed completely crumble. Uh, and to be in a place like America, where we've never had really external war on our soil, to have it suddenly, it just shook my system. And suddenly I thought, you know, how can I help? And that's the question we all asked, right? And then two days after that, my mother was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So it was like this double whammy with ground zero smoking outside my window and my mother diagnosed to die and it changes your worldview. Suddenly, you know, it just blows the roof off your house and the ground is moving at the same time. Um, so you find center. And the way I found center is by saying, how can I help? That was the way I found center. Where can I contribute? And that flip, that flip from, you called it from recognition to contribution. Yeah. From how can I be recognized? And there's a, there's a whole bunch of different words for that, right? How can I be recognized? How can I be liked? How can I be approved of? How can I fit in? And, you know, there's a whole ton of language that goes around that. And then I think for a lot of people, they would recognize that moment where it flips for whatever reason into what am I here to do? Like, how can yeah. I, how can I contribute? Yeah. How can I help? Yeah. And you used again, and we're going to come back to this word through line. You use the language that your through line shifted. So let's talk, let's, let's go through line now. Tell me, what does that, what does the word through line mean to you? And also what does it feel like to you? What does it feel like was the second part of the question? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I like to give credit where credit's due. It's very important to me. And so the through line, which is a term everyone's using these days, and most people don't know where it comes from. Uh, and here's where it comes from. It's, it was born and coined by the great Russian theater artist, Stanislavski. It was two words, through line. And he termed this to designate the driving force in a character's behavior through a, mov a movie. Well, not movies at that era, it's long ago, but plays. Like every character is driven by a through line and it, it connects all the actions of the play. So I always say to my audiences, I'm on big stages, I'm working with entrepreneurs, I'm working with corporates, executives, you know, artists of all kinds. I always say like, if you're, if you're a character in a play, what's the character of you being driven by? What's your through line? And you see people's eyes roll to the back of their head. They're like, I had never thought of that. Like, what is really driving me? And it's not your why, it's something else, you know? So um, that's the through line. It's the driving force. So you said it's not your why. It's something else, which I'm glad you said, because for a lot of people, they would go, well, it's my why, right? Like, that's yeah, my why. No. Yeah. If it's not your why, what is it? Like if you had to verbalize what it is? Well, the thing with uh, the through line is you want to think of it like an inner current. This goes back to that. It's not a point. It's not a goal. It's not a destination. It's not something that you get to. So sometimes people think, oh, my purpose is, and they'll say a goal. Like they'll say my purpose and they're confusing themselves with the outcome. So they'll say it's to, you know, impact 10 million people. My purpose is to end hunger in Africa. My purpose is to, you know, free people. That's a goal. That's an outcome. And so I think people get their knickers in a twist about this, you know, and I've saved so many audience members and people going, I've been so stressed about my purpose or my wife, know what it is. And I'm so screwed up and, you know, I, I can't figure it out. And I go, it's super easy. You know, like it is so easy. Like, don't take a freaking workshop on finding your purpose. You're wasting, you're wasting your money. Like, and don't stay up at night because you already, you already know what it is. It's, it's in you. It's in your cells and it's your pores. It's, it's what lights you up. It's what interests you now. This is in my book. So I'm just like, it is, it is right there. It's like, what are you totally engrossed in that stops time? Like, those are all clues. That's your soul going, this is the way. 
And you don't have to name it. I say this in the book. You don't have to name your purpose to be on your purpose. You don't have to know how to explain it to someone at a cocktail party or at some business conference or entrepreneurial thing. It's, as long as you're following what lights you up and you're interested in, and it expresses, I say this in the book, it expresses itself in all different kinds of ways. So when people also confuse a purpose or a why with a career. The word breadcrumbs is coming to me. Like, and I've talked about breadcrumbs a lot on the podcast, as in I've never had the experience of having this. You know, you know when the, the clouds part and the angels sing and the sunbeam hits your head and you're like, ah, <laughs> no, I know exactly. Like I've never had that. I've never seen that experience. I, you know, and I've worked with people for, for years on, on creating, you know, the, the path of the thought leader or the path of the, the influencer. I've never witnessed that moment once. It's the breadcrumb. It's the yeah. nudge. Yes, yes. It's the, you know, what's really interesting you about that thought that you just had? What's really yes. interesting you? Totally. Like, pick up the breadcrumb. Forget yeah. the loaf of yes. bread. It's a terrible metaphor. Forget the loaf of bread. Like, forget the whole staircase. Yeah. Just what is the thing that, what are you curious about right now? Right, exactly. And to follow your breadcrumb analogy, it may not be leading to a loaf. You know, it could be no. leading to a meatloaf. It could be leading to like a chicken dinner that had croutons on it. Like, and yeah. you're like, Where, where's the loaf? Where's the loaf? And it's like, are you seeing the chicken dinner where this thing's leading you? But people aren't because they're just so myopic or because they have to have the goal. Instead of going, nope, follow the breadcrumb. And that, that links beautifully to something else that you've said, which I loved, which was trusting the idea that leads to the idea. Yes. And I think that we generally we're not very good at that, right? It's like, if this idea isn't the perfect idea, then I won't touch it. I don't want to say it in case someone criticizes it. I don't want to do it in case it's wrong. It doesn't, feels okay, but not quite right. That's right. How do we start trusting the ideas that lead to the ideas? Uh, well, one thing is to, I say this um, often and is to, and I, I work with, um, you know, executives and uh, with the boardroom or with the entrepreneurial team and, and they're even afraid to speak up with their peers. So I teach this phrase, which I'm giving to you here, that is just take, take a moment, look to the room, whether it's virtual or live and just say, I'm not sure if this is a good idea, but it could be the idea that leads to the idea. And the moment you say, I'm not sure if this is a good idea, it just removes all the potential judgment. You nip it in the bud. I'm not sure if this is a good idea. They're like, oh, okay. But it could be the idea that leads to the idea. And in saying that, you plant in people's imagination that they should start looking for how the, their brains might be inspired by something you said. And that lets you risk forward. And you do that for yourself. What, what is this idea? I don't know why I'm called to this item, but it could be the thing that leads to the thing. Mm. Which again comes around trust, right? Trusting your ideas, trusting the nudge. Yeah. So, you know, back to your inch earlier, uh, as opposed to, you know, a big leap, then how can you start practicing that in the smallest of ways? Like this sounds crazy, but it's like, I'm going to go down this aisle in the grocery store instead of that one. It's like that moment when you're like, I'm having some weird instinct. I'm just going to trust it. And you start trusting these. And then you're like, oh my God, my favorite food's on sale. I never would have done so, but that's why I was called to go to this. Like you start seeing it. And I do that to myself all the time, these little tests, but then you start getting bigger ones. You're like, I'm going to say this out loud. I'm going to try this new project. You know, and you start having the courage to put yourself out there, to be your entrepreneur, intrapreneur, or executivepreneur. <laughs> I think that area of my life shifted significantly when I started to trust, and this is, again, to use your beautiful tool, this isn't going to be the right language for anyone who's signed, any scientists out there, I'm not going to use the right language here. When you start, when I started to trust my subconscious, when I started to think, you know what, my subconscious process is reams and reams and reams and reams more information than my conscious mind does in any given period of time. Yeah. And so if I get a nudge from my subconscious, this isn't some airy fairy, you know, kind of just forget about it. It's just a feeling. This is a nudge uh, that is a direct result of way more information than I'm consciously aware of. Totally. And therefore, it would just seem to be the smart thing to do to trust it. A thousand percent. And here's for all the scientists that might poo-poo what you said. I mean, they might, but on the meta plane of science, they all know it to be true. Like in the same way, 
that there are studies that show that looking at a snowflake changes its shape. Studying objects with our concentration or eye physically changes its shape. There's science up the wazoo to prove that. The same thing will be said by the top executives. And I'm just going to drop some names here so people know I'm not making this up. So whether it's, you know, people in the executive C-suite at Microsoft, these are my clients, PayPal, um, Starbucks, people who are running as entrepreneurs, multi-million dollar companies in Brazil, Japan, whether it's artists in Hollywood who've won Oscars, I have been lucky enough in my life to spend time with them. And here's what they all say, is while they'll have the goods and the tools in their toolbox, a lot of the time they'll just say, I don't know, it, was, it just felt like the right choice. It just was instinct, gut. That's what they say. I had a woman come and evaluate my apartment here. I was thinking of selling it during the pandemic or just before. And I was going to move to another place like it, but closer to my apartment at home. In any event, she's the top salesperson at this big real estate company. I won't say which. She's like number two in sales. And she prices my apartment and I, on a, a certain number. And I said, what made you say that number? And she said, well, um, a lot of research, a lot of time in this business and, and gut. Because that, I mean, when we say gut, right, when I've been doing this 20 years, you've been doing this for, for a very long time too. When we say gut, we don't mean, you know, oh, you know, I just made it up. My gut told me to do it. We don't mean that. That's not what yeah. it means. What yeah. it means is 20 years of doing this and every single micro piece of information and experience that is a result of that has directly led me to this nudge, which I now trust. Yes. That's beautifully said, 100%, 1,000%. Yeah. And actually, as a, as a question for leaders, a question that I often use with my team, if, you know, if, if everything's in confusion and everything's going wrong, you know, what does your gut say? Because usually yeah. someone will come to you with a story and a, and a problem and a situation, and if you ask them, what does your gut say, boom, like yeah. immediately yeah. they have an idea. Yeah. I want to go backwards just to this, this through-line piece again, because for anyone who sat there going, no, I'm still still – you know, stuck here. This is not a quick, you know, this doesn't seem to be a quick thing to do. I know you have one question that people can use to help unlock it. What is that question? Sure. So uh, if, if uh, you're driving, someone who's listening to this driving or you're, you know, walking, um, think about how you want to answer this question because it's an emotional question, but it's very quick and it's profound. So like you might want to pull over on the side of the road and hit pause because uh, you really want to take it in. You might, if you're walking, just want to like stop and look down at the ground or look up at the sky. And if you're at your desk listening, you know, multitasking, you just might want to stop what you're doing. It's 30 seconds. It's worth it. Um, so here's the question. If you were on a deserted island and you were dying and you knew you weren't going to make it, but there was a young person there uh, whom you cared deeply about, and you just wanted to give that young person one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? And whatever just came into your mind, into your heart is the starting point of this through line. It's what you believe matters. So it could be, you know, be kind or follow your dreams or don't hold back that is a pretty good indication of what you believe matters in life. And that's worth making sure you're somehow expressing in every interaction. Mm. I love, I love that. I love that question. And, you know, there's certain times of year for me when, you know, questions like that are useful, but honestly, at any given point in time as an indicator, you know, what piece of advice would you give to somebody else that you care about in this moment? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, just to articulate a little bit about that. And by the way, if you're liking what I'm saying, I'm going to do a little promotion here. Get the book Risk Forward. It's like not much money. It is, and get the hardcover because it's beautiful, this piece of art. It's full color and it's creative. It's based on the layout of a children's book. So it's highly visual with pictures and stuff, but it's written for adults in business and entrepreneurship. So, uh, it's this experience and that question that I just asked is in the book. And there's so much more that's like that. That's cool. As Julie can attest to. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's one of those, 
you know, I'm always a little bit shy of, of reading the books. I get sent quite a lot of books and I'm always a bit, sh- not because I'm not interested, but often because I feel like I'm going to get overwhelmed. You know, if I only have an hour to talk to somebody and I read a whole book, so often when I've done it before, you know, the, the interviews are shambles because I'm just, I'm way too, too entrenched in the information and I don't know what, which bit to cover next. Right. But with, with yours, it felt like a very different experience. And that's just honestly, it felt like a very different experience to read. So wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly recommend it to anybody who's looking for some guidance, but not to feel overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's really slim. You can read it in an hour. Well, I want to I talk about intuition just a little bit more, you know, you had said that this through line piece, when we bury it, because we do, yeah. we all do, every single human being on the planet does at different points, it shows up as intuition, which I felt was just an incredible way of thinking about it. But then the next point after that, which was what happens when we bury our intuition, what happens then and how do we do that? And you have this great line, which is we hypnotize ourselves through hyperactivity and when I read that, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, that, that's that's me. I do that. That's 100%. Yeah. A hypnosis is the word. It Because it's like, it's not that it's addiction, like work addiction. Like, like oh, it, it's like you're, you're hypnotized. Like you're not even in that intoxication. And I've been there. I wrote about this and I talk about it because I've been there. And at times I still fall into that. And, and in those moments, I'm so unbelievably intensely, but deep down on some like deep, deep level, I'm not happy, you know, and it shows up in all kinds of weird ways, but it's like, boy, if I can kind of, for me, and this is just for me, like, I feel like we're all rhythmic and some people's rhythm is that hyperactivity. You know, some people do really well in that, but I kind of secretly think it's, it is that hypnosis. But if you can fall into this other rhythm, like, you know, going back to trigonometry, you know, sine and cosine, like that up and down wave, like that's a different kind of rhythm. And so it's like, what rhythm do you want to operate on? And sometimes that intensity, which, you know, our electronic social media driven world is just, you know, checked into, uh, you know, good luck, I want to say. Like, I just worry about our natural biological systems. I'm, I'm glad I love, I love what you just said there about the rhythms. I was actually having a conversation with my husband last night because I very consciously created rhythms in my week. You know, I, I have to, I have business and very young children and, you know, a lot of stuff going on. And so I have deliberately created rhythms and over the past couple of weeks have just broken them, broken them all for various different reasons, broke them all. And I was saying to my husband last night, I was like, I just, I feel breathless. That's the only way I can describe the feeling in my body. I just feel breathless. What a beautiful way to say it. And I get it. I'm going to speak from my experience because it might be different. It was what you felt, but it's like a tightness in my chest. I noticed when I would go to sleep at night, I was like, oh my God, I feel, feel like I'm kind of slightly always a little nervous, like a little tense. Like I, I just, you know, and, and, and we can live through that. It's extraordinary. We can live through that. Like we can live through a little body pain, but it just, it's finally going away. And the way it's been going away, and this is really recent, Julie, again, like you're bringing out things I haven't talked about, uh, is, is I'm unhooking from the things that were in their own way, making me feel like that. And I wasn't kind of aware of it because I was trying to override them with my reasoning. For me, my story, so my story on the breathlessness is I can do this. Look, I've said I'm going to do it for this many weeks. I made that. I can do that. I can push through. I can do that. And then on the other, and then mythical on the other side, right? This mythical unicorn unicorn land of on the other side. On the other side, I'll do it differently. (laughs) When this patch is done, I'll do it differently. And my favorite one, which... (gasps) my husband is now a joke in our household because he's heard it so many times is the but once I've done this I won't have to do it again (laughs) the favorite saying of every entrepreneur once once it's done I won't have to do it again it's it'll be built it'll be done so talk to me I what you just said there and this is for me as much as for anybody listening um 
you said you unhooked. Are you able or willing or wanting to share what you unhooked from or how you could tell the difference? Ah, wow. Boy, you can, you know, we should have this conversation in like six months again. Tune in for part two because like, first off, I'm in it. Um, second is I can't share what it is because it's sort of, I'm in it. So I'm both in it, meaning like I haven't come to the other side of it. It could be a disaster, but I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, but I'll give you two past examples instead of the one I'm in. Here's, here's one from a long time ago. I'll give you, uh, yeah, two. These are going to sound very odd but because they're material things, but they're, they're significant. Um, I had a little Mercedes two-seater um, Roadster. There's this beautiful silver Roadster Mercedes. And I loved this car. I loved this car. And it kind of became part of my identity and I took care of it. And I just, I had it from 2005 until about 2000. I, I just, what was it, 2005 to 2018. So I had it 13 years. It looked brand new. And then I was ready to give it up. But I was like, but I love it. I've been part, it's been part of me. It's part of my thing. But I, there was a part of me that's like, I really want to give it up. I don't use it. It sits in the garage. It's sort of a hassle now. I have to spend time and money on it and make sure it got oil changed. Don't worry about the tires and scratches. And there was a part of me that wanted to give it up. But I said, no, you got to, just like this other decision in my past with the offer to join this company. And I, uh, I finally sort of like was ready. And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it up. And I drove it in. I found a seller. I ended up selling it back to Mercedes. They took it. I drove it in. They unscrewed the plates and I was ready to be heartsick. And I went like this. You can't see me, those of you listening, but I put my arms in and I'm like, I'm free. And I came home. My husband said, how was it? How do you feel? And I was like, I feel great. I feel great. I thought I was going to miss the car. I just, but it, I, because the past love of it, it was just a sense of, oh, I have to like feel bad. And I was like, no, I feel the opposite. So that was one example, the other of letting go and kind of unhooking. This is again, a small thing, but this is part back to the breadcrumbs. It seems like a small thing on the surface, but it's, there's a much deeper essence below it that's calling to you. So my example is I have the studio, you can't see it here, but it's where I am right now. And I always wanted to make it more of a studio, dance, mirror, big open space, but I had furniture. And I had this conflict of like, am I the hostess who has friends over and is this awesome, cool space or am I, the explosive creative physical artist. And I had this sort of dual identity going, this little voice kept saying, get rid of the furniture. And the reasoning's like, no, no. And I was like, get rid of the furniture. It took me a few years, but I finally got rid of like 50% of the furniture. And I love it, but it's not just visually it feels right. Like I'm moving, I'm dancing, I'm doing my thing. So that breadcrumb, whatever it is that for each of you, if you're like, I kind of want to write the novel, I kind of want to pull this thing out of my drawer. I kind of want to like try out this new course. That is your hidden genius calling to you. Even if it makes no sense to others, that's what my book Risk For It is about. It's that sense of follow that little breadcrumb. We call it the crimson star in the book. It's the crimson star. It hits your eye and no one else's. And um, you why? follow it. Why the crimson star? Why the crimson star? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, well, I was teaching a risk forward. Uh, I called it the beta group. It was a risk forward special experience group of about 12 entrepreneurs. I was teaching them some of the themes that were coming up in the book, partly beta testing them. And I was thinking, how do I explain this light that hits your eye and no one else's? And I was like, it's like a star, but the star didn't seem like, you know, special. And it couldn't be the North star and it couldn't be a blue star. And I literally went through different colors in the color wheel. And I was like, violet star. No, that's not it. Red star. It's a little too Russian, you know, green star. No, that's a little weird. <laughs> so, and I like went through the purple star. That's a little too woo. And I was like, crimson. That is the perfect word. It feels special. It feels regal but it's this like thing that appears and then disappears. So it's not like a bright shining star. It's like a crimson star. It's like, is that a star? And you follow it and it leads you to the next thing. And that's the crimson star. <laughs> mm -hmm. I really want to, one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about today was, was the courage that it takes to sink into moments of not knowing, you know, oh. I've, I've talked about this on the podcast a lot that, you know, one of the biggest, I feel under discussed, keys to to writing an influential life for yourself isn't what we all think it is which is you know grasping hold of the pen grasp hold of that pen and you write it it's actually knowing and having the courage to put the pen down 
put the bend down, sink into the gap in between so that you can, and again, use your language, you can feel the through line long enough to write a different chapter as opposed to just rewriting the same one over and over again. Um, why do we find that so hard? Why do we find sinking into the gap so hard? Mm. It's, uh, I think it's layers upon layers of reasons. Um, uh, I think, I think the through line, it's like if you were in the Grand Canyon, um, but the Grand Canyon was covered, like it's an under continental current. The through line is that deep sometimes. So you can't see it. And the reasons could be from the trees at the top, right down to like the Grand Canyon, the lowest, lowest layers of rock and all the layers between. But it begins, in my opinion, with like, you know, what society tells you, the, the surface things, that's just the surface. Like, it's too scary. What about the finances? What about, you know, what people will say? What about like not knowing, or I have to move or, you know, sell my home or, and these are big ones, but I'm talking about even little ones. Like I want to pull down this book off the shelf instead of that book. I want to watch this on Netflix versus that on Netflix. I want to like walk down the street versus that. I mean, it could be those micro risk forwards and those are equally valid. So whatever it is, a big one or, or a small one, what it's so scary is because those surface things, but it goes way, way below that. And I think the layers below the surface reasons are, um, I think it's fear of ourselves to the deepest, you know, it's because I think we are sheer power. And um, when people go there and the great, great icons of this world went there, whether it's Georgia O'Keeffe, you know, uh, as an artist or even, uh, <laughs> you know, the brilliant scientists like Einstein, what the hell did that take, you know, or, Alexander Graham Bell. I mean, these guys are coming into like realms of inventions that no one's done, you know, and pop stars like Lady Gaga, what did that take for her to like go all that way? Right. You know, and I look at these people that are huge and I go, whatever it took, I mean, whether you like her or not, Kim Kardashian tapped into something and she went all the way and you have to sort of admire her for that. Like really, whether you believe in the brand or not, I always say to people, you got to go to Vegas. If you're in the United States and you get to, you should go to people like, I don't want, it's junky. I go, you should see what humanity can do. Like it's a whole other extreme of humanity. I literally used to go to Cirque du Soleil with my business partner. And we went for no other reason than just to be inspired by what is possible when you take it to the next level. Totally. When you commit to taking it to, what does that, what does that feel like when you take it there? And I, I have, um, talk about taking it, you know, going, playing full out. I'm obsessed at the moment with pink. So in my office, there's pink's record. It's up on the wall. It's in front of me. And for the, the entirety of the reason where I interviewed her drummer, Mark Shulman, and he, he said this thing to me, he said, do you have any idea what it takes? He said, every other rock star kind of prior to pink stood on a stage, danced and, and, you know, kind of sang their songs. He was like, she took that, she does it, you know, hanging upside down, you know, 30 feet above the air while moving at 60 kilometers an hour from a rope. She took it to levels you can't even conceive of. And she did it while touring with two small children. Like, and I look at that record and that's the exact question that I ask, you know, it, what does it look like to take it to a place? Right. Right. When no one else has taken it too, or where you are called to take it. Well, and that's the key because there's a lot of external taking it. Um, that's part of what I feel so strongly about that I've witnessed. And it could be my bias, but if we're talking, it's probably your vision too, is that people think, and this goes back to something you said earlier, that to kind of be successful, it's sort of from without. And so they model what they see because it looks like it came from without. And definitely they're posers. And, you know, people who rip off each other's work. But aside from that, like the people who really go into your words earlier, the gap, you know, Wayne Dyer talks about this, like when you go into that gap and you really follow it, like you will be to your word earlier called to do it. That's the inner current. That's the through line. And then it's organic and we can tell the difference. Like people feel it. They feel when you're phony, like they might spend money on you. They might go for a while, but eventually they feel it. And even Steve Jobs, as much of a difficult person he was, he was doing his truth, right? 
right? Not saying it was pretty, but he was in it. So, yeah. Uh, I think it's just scary to come full circle because we're scared to see what that would be like. Um, and so, and I'm scared too, you know, but I think we do it from within. And, um, and back to these amazing people I've been lucky enough to spend time with, it's all from within. They're the most humble of all. Before I let you go, there was, there's a story that I have heard you tell, and it speaks beautifully to what you were just saying there, which is, you know, it's not always pretty. Um, we never, we don't always have a clue as to why we feel a certain way about it. Um, but great things happen when we listen. And it's a story about when you were auditioning for something that you thought you wanted with all your heart and you ended up, well, I won't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ruin the ending. I'll let, you, I'll let you tell it. Okay. All right. Um, I want to, I want to say this, cause this is going to sound sort of pluggy, but I really feel strong and I always forget to say, and then I always regret it, but I'm just going to say this. Uh, if you're liking what we're talking about, we put together a little page with the first few chapters of Risk Forward Free. So you can just take a look at it, even if you don't want to necessarily get it, but it's pretty cool. You'll get to see what we're talking about. You'll really see it. And so uh, it's at riskforward.com slash forward slash Julie. <laughs> I love the fact that it's just, just Julie. Julie, she's that Julie? famous. She's that famous. She's like pink. <laughs> Riskforward.com forward slash Julie. Uh, and we put a few other things, one on listening skills. So when you not only need to listen to yourself, which we're about to talk about listening to yourself and the importance of that, how do we really listen to the people that matter most to us, our kids, our colleagues? So we put a little listening video series up there free for you and something on how to express yourself on stage and on camera. We put that all free for you at Riskforward.com slash Julie. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Listening to yourself, um, I have not always been good at it, just for those of you who also struggle with it and decisiveness. Um, and so when I was in my 20s, um, I started to get a sense for what I loved, by the way. You know, I back to doing what you love and I, was, I like movement and, and writing and acting and using props. And, and I found out that there was this um, role being offered for uh, this, company that did just that. They were called uh, Mummenschanz. They're a Swiss mime troupe and they do comedy and characters and physical work and props. I was like, oh my God, I don't necessarily want to be in a company because they were working with the circus that year. It was Mummenschanz and the Big Apple Circus. It's like, I don't really want to uh, do that, but I kind of want to see who's at that audition. Like, I want to check it out and see who's there and learn, you know, maybe there are other people I can do cool things with. So I go to the audition, really long story short, there are like hundreds of actors there and they're all doing their, you know, little leotard stretches because they're auditioning for this movement troupe. And then, you know, we're called in and we have to do different movements. And, you know, it's like an audition, like you imagine Chorus Line, a famous movie. It's like, you know, you're slowly winnowed down to a smaller and smaller group, you know, okay, group A, you're out, group B, you're in, and, you know, down to this 10 stay, these 10 leave, you know. Long story short, from the hundreds, I was down to like, a small group and then a smaller group and I was offered the role and I thought oh my god I, I didn't come to get the role I just came to check out scene but I got sort of swept into the whole process and I was it was thrilling and I went uh, I went home and I said oh my god the Big Apple Circus and Mummenstones offered me a job and people just went out of their heads. They're like, are you kidding? This is going to put you on the map. This is a big thing. I call my family. They're like, hey, finally, she's got a stable job, you know? And, and I went home and that night I couldn't sleep, you know? And I just, am I going to say yes? Am I going to say no? And everyone's like, you got to do it. So the next day I said, yeah, I'm, I'm in. And then like, I could feel the anxiety, like the opposite of the inner current. You know, it was the opposite. It was like sweats and nervousness and not nervousness in a good way, not like butterflies, but just like, oh, I feel like this dread, this queasiness, this fear. And, and everyone's like, no, but stick with it, stick with it. And, you know, you're just afraid, you know, that kind of cycle. You're just afraid. It's your limiting beliefs kind of thing. And it's like, no, I, I don't think this is the right path. And um, I just pushed through it for days. And then it was like the third or fourth day and I was really in bad shape psychologically. I was just like, I just committed to do a year in the circus. I don't want to have that life. And a friend of mine said, you've tried the yes and it's not working. Maybe you should try the no. So I screwed up my courage. I called the circus and I let them go. Ah, and then peace. Then there was a test. 
just to warn everyone here, it's not peace for long, because what happened is this bus would come by on the sidewalk and it'd say, woman Johnson, big apple circus. And I'd be like, oh, I should have done that. And I was like, no, that was a test, you know? And, or someone would say, you turned down the circus, why'd you do that? And I was like, oh, you know, but that people say these things after you make a big decision, like, why'd you do that? Why'd you let it go? Why'd you quit? Why'd you start this? Why'd you move here? Why'd you create that plan? And you get tested, but you're like, no, it felt right. And over time, what came out of that choice, that through line, that inner current was beyond what I could have imagined. I think that that has to go down as one of the all time most beautiful pieces of advice, which is you've tried the yes and it's not working. Maybe you should try the no. Just so many moments in my life where I wish someone had sat me down and said those words. Okay, my, my very last question for today for you, and thank you for all your time, um, is where, where and in what way are you risking forward right now? Ooh. Uh, some of these decisions, these unhookings that I'm in the process of making, which I will tell you about in six months, Julie. Uh, you're on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Uh, I have an idea for a one woman show that's kind of come in and out of my head like a wisp for a long time. Uh, and it's, you know, it's just for each of you listening. It's like your novel or your idea for some creative project or this call you want to make. And it's like that. And it just keeps coming back. So I've started working with someone once a week quietly, not like making a big fanfare about it and seeing where it leads. So that is my risk for the unhooking and checking out this little seed of an idea and uh, giving a little water and seeing where it grows. Mm -hmm. And that takes us right back around to the mime, to the silence, to the quietly. Does it need a fanfare? Just quiet curiosity, tuning in. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your book. Thank you for that beautiful resource and for giving me a, a, a one name persona. I'm going to totally, <laughs> I'm taking that one. Good. Well, it was an absolute joy. I loved your questions. I loved this time and um, it just inspired me talking to you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and have seized hold of at least one tool, idea or mindset that will help you start raising your own level of influence. Now, for those of you who want to take the next step in your journey or would just love a roadmap to becoming the most influential voice, idea or brand in your space, then I have good news. You can now download the latest updated version of my ebook, The Influencer Code, from my website, juliemasters.com. Also, there's a link in the show notes. Just pop in your email address, and I promise I will not spam you, but it is jam-packed full of ideas, tools, and case studies that I have come across in my now 20-plus years of doing this work, not to mention the seven areas and seven core questions that I have found to be hands-down the most valuable when it comes to immediately lifting your ability to make an impact. Download it, keep it, share it, juice it for all it is worth. I hope it makes a massive difference in both your career and your business. Thank you always to my co-founder and the main brain behind this podcast, Lauren Kelly. You kick my butt in all the right ways. Thank you for making it happen. And if you did enjoy the show, then we would love you to share this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, whatever your platform of choice happens to be. And don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you never miss an episode.